0: Oh, good morning. It's a uh, good morning already. I uh, love that. Just uh, such powerful truth from His Word. But we can sing and song, and I uh, want to say uh, Happy Father's Day to all the dads here as well, to those watching online, uh, to the to the fathers, to the grandfathers, great grandfathers, uh, to the, to the just the great men in our lives. We want to honor uh, men. Uh, uh, many of them are mentors in our life, whether they are biological dads or not. Uh, we uh, We honor you this morning as well, and obviously to our Heavenly Father. Every day is His day, but uh, happy Father's Day, Lord. Uh, This morning, uh, hopefully you brought your Bibles with you. We are digging into the book. Uh, We want to get used to reading this and opening it, opening our hearts to what's in it, uh, helping people find Christ in community. We find that He's revealed through His Word. Uh, We've been in a series called I Am, and we're looking at how uh, God... Reveals uh, himself through the life of Jesus. The statements that Jesus made—he's like, "I am," uh, which is the the words that God uh, used to reveal Himself to Moses. And Jesus was saying, "Like, we're the same. What you see me do is what the Father's doing. What you hear me saying is what the Father's saying." And so, we've learned a a lot over the last little bit that uh, Jesus has revealed that God is light that he's holy, that he's love, that he is the way, the only way. We talked about last uh, week, and we're going to continue looking at that verse this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go to John chapter 14. Uh, if you're new to the, to the Bible, just start flipping through till you get to some red letters, and uh, then you're close. Uh, John 14, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John was one of the eyewitness followers of Jesus. So when he writes this, he actually says it at the very end. I wrote this so you can be confident of the truth that's written in it. We want to take a look at that. So this morning, I'd like to quote my favorite guest speaker uh, uh, who said that this one is a bit of a thinker. <laughs> so this morning, I remember my, uh, when I was in grade school, my teacher would say, put your thinking caps on, kids. I had no idea what they meant, but put on your thinking cap this morning. Yes, there we go. Thank you. Really uh, uh, taking some time to, to think through some maybe, maybe difficult, difficult thoughts. So I'd encourage you to grab a piece of paper in front of you, take some notes, jot some of these things down. Some of the things maybe that you hear me say or that you, more importantly, you hear him say. That you can take a look later. So in John 14, Jesus is about to be crucified. He's having his last meal with his disciples. Last week we realized that, he, that he's saying some confusing things uh, to them. But uh, he makes some massive statements about himself, massive. And we could really, we could preach three sermons on every single word uh, that he talks about in this. And so last week, we read these words, John 14, verse 6. He says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Today we want to just take a look at that, that word truth. The word truth should be the least confusing word in the English language. It should be. It should be. But we see more people like this who are just like, what do you, yeah, truth, okay, well, what do you mean by that? It should be, it's either true or it's not. But we have confusion surrounding this word. Uh, we've got uh, other terms that help Help add to that absolute truth. We've got, you know, objective truth, subjective truth, my truth, your truth. Uh, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me, God. We've got, we've got these uses of the word truth that make things a little bit complicated. So today we want to look at what did Jesus mean when he said, I am the truth? And what does that mean for each and every one of us today? Uh, and so Jesus is making what we would call an objective claim. An objective claim, an objective truth. Objective truth is, uh, it, it doesn't matter what um, opinions or feelings are surrounding it. It's true regardless of how you feel about it or what you think about it. So Jesus is making an, an objective uh, truth is not influenced by personal feelings uh, or opinions. So when he says, I am the truth, he's not saying that I speak the truth or that I have the ability to speak truth. He's not saying that only. He's saying he cannot speak anything but truth. Whatever comes out of his mouth, he's, he's stating that this is truth. His listeners... As he was, had just been explained to them, I am, and, and putting himself on the same level with, with God. Basically saying, I'm God in human flesh. His listeners would have been very familiar with the stories of old. I mean, these are good Jewish boys. They grew up reading the, the stories of the Old Testament. They had favorites, I'm sure, just like we do in kids' church. Anybody remember Balaam and his donkey? That was always one of my favorite. right? The donkey talks to Balaam and uh, it's, uh, you, the, you know, they the do the crafts and whatever else. But that story... That story, what, what happened in that, uh, in that account is there's a nation of Moab, sees the nation of Israel as a threat, wants to attack them, but doesn't think they're going to win. So they, they want to call on the gods. And back then, if you wanted to call on the gods, you got like a, a prophet to come. And so they, they hired a prophet from Israel and said, hey, this guy named Balaam, will you come and will you curse, will you curse these people? Will you curse your own people? Because we know that when you say stuff, it happens. And so Balaam comes, he says, okay, well, you know, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't just say whatever I want to say. I can only say what the Lord tells me. They're like, fine, that's fine, whatever the Lord tells you. And, and so Balaam stands on the hill to pro- project curses over the nation of Israel, and all that comes out of his mouth are blessings and victory, and you guys are going to win. And this guy's like, wait, I'm paying you to do the opposite. He's like, I can't help but say what the Lord's speaking to me. And so he, try, he does it three times. And every time, the blessings get more and more. And, and the people of Mo. He's like, okay, okay, stop talking. But in one of them, Numbers 23, we see this. I'll put it on the screen. You can look it up. As he's speaking under the influence of the Spirit, he says this, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He's not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? The Lord is speaking to this king saying, listen, the first time I bless them, I'm not going to change my mind. The second time I'm going to bless them, I'm not a a man that I would lie. And we see Jesus stating this. I am the truth. I am God is is the truth. There is nothing, there there is no possibility for him to lie. So when we look at these I am statements about Jesus making this, we have this objective claim. Where he's saying it's the same for all people. You know, in all places, at all times. This, this claim is the same for everyone. What we have to take a look at today is the objective statement. Is it true or not true? Either Jesus is who he said he is or he's not. And it matters what we do with that. Because this morning, if I were to say Jesus is the only way, that's a subjective truth. That's what I believe about Christ. That's, that's my thoughts on Jesus. But we're not looking at my thoughts today. We want to look at the objective claim that Jesus himself said, I am the truth. And it matters what we think about that statement. It matters what you think about that statement. It doesn't just matter that he said he's the truth. What matters is what each and every one of us around this room does with that statement. There's a guy named Soren Kierkegaard. Soren Kierkegaard's a cool name. Not, like, not the guy from Lord of the Rings. It's this guy. A Danish theologian. Thank you, Soren, yeah. A Danish theologian from the 1800s. And uh, this guy was a, a, a thinker. And he would write different writings about, uh, uh, about truth. And, and he wrote about this concept of objective truth and subjective truth. So objective truth is that it's true all the time. Subjective truth is my belief in it. I believe it to be true. And he said that we can have objective truth, but unless we have subjective truth, it doesn't affect our way of life at all. It doesn't just matter if it's true. There's another guy, you know, way before him, uh, named James, the half-brother of Jesus. He said the very similar things. He said this. It, it's like, don't just be a hearer of this word. Don't be just a believer that it's his word, but be a doer of it. Because if you don't do what you hear, you deceive yourself. We talked about that last week. So I want to give you a couple, maybe just a little illustrations to help us understand what we're attempting to do this morning. Because here's the thought. If Jesus' statement... If, if Jesus' statement is not objectively true, it's if, if, he's, if he wasn't telling the truth, but we all believe it, well, then we're all wrong. It would be like this math equation. Two plus two is five. I would say that nobody in this room, I'm going to hope that nobody in this room assumes that that is true. <laughs> but what if, what if there was just one or two? You're like, no, no, I think that's the truth. You're wrong. You're wrong. If, if the statement in its, of itself is not true, then your subjective truth just simply means that you're wrong. You're believing something that isn't true. And Paul said this about, to, the, to the Corinthians. He said, if there was no resurrection of the dead, then we're all wasting our time. If the resurrection of the dead isn't true, it's two plus two is five, then all of you sitting here saying, we believe in the resurrection of the dead are fools. But if it's true... And that's we move to our next thought. If it is objectively true, but you don't believe it, you don't subjectively believe that truth, you're still wrong. If two plus two is four, if Jesus is the truth, but you want it to be something else. Now, I, I don't want to believe that. I'll believe two plus two is three, two plus two is seven, two plus two is 194.17, or two plus two is 4.1. You're wrong. You're wrong. And then the last one is this. If it's objectively true, and you believe it to be true, that's when it has the opportunity to affect your life. So we look at that today. Where are you at? Who cares about math? I mean, it, it's something. But we can, we, can, we can put 2 plus 2 plus 4 up there for one more second. We can trust this. Everyone, I don't even want to do show of hands just in case. But I would say across the board, we probably all agree that 2 plus 2 equals 4. And we actually trust this in our life. When you go, you know, uh, the next time you purchase something, you can go to the grocery store. And you're like, okay, as long as I have two items in this hand and two items in this hand, I know I have. Thank you. Uh, four items, right? And it's even true when it's when it's dark and you can't see. anybody ever catch chickens before? Uh huh. I'm pretty sure that's what they're doing in hell. Uh, it is. Uh, <laughs> It is the the worst job. I know it's not. I know you're like, that's bad theology. I know. It's just a really terrible job. But even in the dark, I know as long as I, when I caught chickens, you always had to bring the same amount to the door. They hated if you brought the wrong amount. As long as you got two legs in one hand, two legs in the other, and you knew they were from separate birds. When you walked to the door, you had how many birds? Four. Four. You're right. So two plus two is four. It works all the time. It's an, it's, it's an absolute truth. It's an objective truth. And basically what Soren was saying, what, uh, what James was saying is, it, 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 what matters is if you believe the truth and receive it. That it is true and that you apply it to your life. And so I got three points for you this morning. If you've already written three, those weren't them. So here, here they are. Point number one, jot this one down. We must know the truth. We must know the truth. You know, Jesus, in one of his many conversations with the Pharisees and the crowd, uh, he, he said this to them. It's famous, uh, famous scripture, so we'll just put it up on the screen. John 8, verse 31. So Jesus said to the people who believed in him, this is that the subjective, uh, we trust. He says, the believed in him. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful t- to my teachings. Verse 32, the famous verse. And you will know the truth, and the truth will... Set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Why doesn't Jesus just say the truth will set you free? Why doesn't he just say, it's just, hey, the objective truth will set you free. Because it requires this subjective, this part of us saying the truth that you know. You will know the truth, and that truth will set you free. The objective truth is the truth that that results in trust. It's like I, I believe it to be true, not just that it is true, but I also believe it to be true. You remember, uh, have anybody seen Indiana Jones: Last Crusade, nineteen eighty nine? What a movie, eh? And then there's this clip in the this clip in the movie called like, the part they call the leap of faith. You can look it up. It's 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 much more uh, clever to see it in video form, but. Uh, Indiana Jones, he's, he's, he gets to this place, this cliff, and he's got to solve these three riddles. And there's this one where it basically tells him to take a step into an area where he sees just a chasm in front of him. He hears his dad in the background groaning as he's dying. And he's like, I know I need to get to the Holy Grail so that I can get it back to my father. And as he stands at that, you see Harrison Ford sweating. like He knows he's in the right place. He's looking at the book. The book says, you take a step. You're going to be good. But he looks and all he sees is this chasm. He's like, I can't jump that. No one can jump that. And the video pans down to his foot. And it's out his foot. And you just see it step. What does it land on? Solid ground. And it's an optical illusion. There's actually a path there you can't see. But it's there. And I think the same thing happens for us as believers. There's this truth. We say, yeah, there's this truth. There's this truth. But until we take that step and say, ah, oh, I'm going to put all my weight on it. I'm going to trust the rest of my life on it. I will trust it. Until that subjective truth happens for us, it, is, it is, has no basis, no benefit in our lives at all. So we might know that God exists, but do we trust that? We might know that Jesus died on a cross for us, but do you trust it? Have you entrusted your whole life to that? When he says, I am the truth, we're like, okay, I'll, I understand that, You know, agree with that. But have we believed it to the point where we fully trust it? And it matters what we do with truth. There's different values of truth. You know, even all the, the, uh, the objective truths that we, that we know, there's, there's all kinds of different values. For instance, two plus two is four. That's a valuable truth, you know, for school, uh, for banking, for shopping, for collecting your children after kids' church. That's a valuable thing to know. Two plus two is four. But there's other objective truths that hold way more weight. For instance... Every man dies, and then they face judgment. Every man dies, and then they meet their maker. That's a much, much heavier truth than two plus two is four. And it is truth. Why? Because it's what, what Jesus spoke. It's what he said, that there's, there's uh, that will happen for every single one of us. So what do we do with truth? Because it matters. You know, turn to Romans chapter one. If you've got your Bible, just keep going to the right. We'll get to Romans one. Paul writes to the Romans and he writes to them about the goodness of the gospel. He says in verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God to salvation. But then he goes on in verse 18. we We're going to read a few verses here. He says this, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who what? Suppress. Who suppress the truth. Who suppress the truth. They're doing something. He says by their wickedness. They know the truth about God. They know the objective truth about God, that He exists, That because He's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth, they've seen the sky, through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. What's Paul saying? He's like, hey, listen, you look around, you see grass, you see trees, you see design, it points to a designer. They know He's there. Verse 21, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give them thanks and they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like so as a result their minds became dark and confused claiming to be so wise they instead became utter fools instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God they worshipped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles and it carries on talking about what happens when they believe this what their lifestyle turns into we're not going to talk about that uh, this morning we will at some point what's the thought though That objective truth with supporting evidence of even Paul saying, hey, there's all of this stuff pointing to him. It doesn't result in the fact that everyone's automatically going to believe. It doesn't result in that. You know, people including you and me have the ability to suppress truth. It doesn't matter that... The truth is that there's a God. It doesn't matter that the truth is that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That doesn't matter for us individually until we say, yes, I'm going to believe that truth. Time will reveal ultimately what's true. It will reveal whether a person was a fool or not. We will find out the truth for sure. But I like this thought because it said this, if God is true... What did he next state? He says, the thing is, they knew, he was, they knew he was true. They knew it was true. They knew of his existence, but they didn't worship him as God. It didn't matter that there's just a God. What mattered is that they worshiped him as God. And I would encourage you to consider that. He says, we sit in this building, but do you worship him as God? Quiet. You know, we need to know the truth because knowing truth is how you spot counterfeits. You ever been duped by a counterfeit? I love this one. Bought a, an Abitas shirt. <laughs> this usually happens overseas. I remember traveling as a kid. Uh, my first mission trip, I was 15 years old. Went to Venezuela. And on the streets in the Venezuelan markets, they would have these gold chain dealers. And they would walk out and they'd, they'd be like, you know, to buy, you know, buy the gold, buy the gold. And they would light little uh, lighters underneath and like prove that it's real. And I was like, wow. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, this is super cheap can't believe this. I could, like, take this home. I could buy a few. So I bought some, you know, some of them as gifts. And I bought some. I'm going to sell them at home. I'm going to pay for my whole missions trip. And I get, you know, I, I get home, and, and the gold's rubbing off. And it's just plastic underneath. I'm like, how? How did that not burn? Not realizing that as long as you go fast, it doesn't do anything. I was like, God, I'll never find those guys again. I'll never be duped by that again. Went to, um, you know, uh, different, different mission trips later on. Guatemala. And uh, down in Guatemala, they didn't have the gold chain dealers, or if they did, I was like, too smart for that. But then I found these Okies, you know, uh, and they were like, the, 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 the Oakleys, and I'm like, oh, look at this, 10 bucks. These are 200 bucks in Canada. Can't believe that they're doing this for these great nations and putting them on sale. I'm going to buy a bunch. Get home and find out Okies are worth less than 10 bucks here. Why? The truth about knowing counterfeits, recognizing counterfeits, even when it comes to money, they teach tellers, if you're going to deal with money, they don't try and show them all the counterfeits. They show them the real thing over and over and over again. Because the more they know the real thing, the, the easier it is, the quicker it is for them to recognize a counterfeit. And the same is for us. He's saying, man, we need to know the real thing. We need to know the truth. When I say thing, I mean him. We need to know the truth. Know him so well. Ephesians 4 verse 14, Paul said this to the Ephesians. He says, then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. It matters for us. How, how, how are you doing with recognizing the the half-truths, false-truths, truth, my my-truths in our culture today. How are you doing with that? The church in general isn't doing all that well with it, to be honest. And it's scary for us. And I don't want to be you know, a, a church where they don't know the truth. Man, I want to be a place where we, we live that out. We know the truth so well. We're not, we're not tricked with lies so clever they sound like truth. When someone says to you, well, my Jesus wouldn't do that. Do you know Jesus enough to say, ah, yes, he would. Or, you know, well, God told me this. Like, I don't think God told you to marry that man's wife. Do we know the truth? I don't know if you realize this, but there's talk right now of using AI to uh, write a new Bible. Along with the other holy books so we can create one religion that's in sync with everything. And do you know that Christians by the millions will fall for that? Why? Why? Because they don't know the truth. They don't know the truth. How about you? Would you know? Would you be able to know if somebody was to, was to come out and say something that was like, you know, gen- generated? like, wow, it sounds so good. There's whole translations of the Bible right now that are being spread all over the place that are just garbage. Garbage. And people eat it up like, oh, this is good. We, we have things that, you know, things said about God. that's like, oh, you know, that sounds, that sounds real good. And yet it's garbage. But we don't know. Why? And I don't want to try and describe, well, this is not true, this is not true, this is not true, It's not the point. What did he say? <laughs> know the truth. You know the truth. I don't have to explain all of the other things. I'm just confident that our believers know the truth. They know that what he says is true because it's true whether you believe it or not. A guy named Robert Ripley, he would travel the world, went to 102 countries looking for weird oddities and things that people would be like, no, that's not possible. He's like, yeah, believe it or not. It's true. <laughs> It's true. You know, that's, where it's, uh, that's what we, we have to come to, that understanding that when Jesus said, certain, whatever Jesus said, it, it's true. You know, Matthew and the, um, the uh, New Testament authors, they actually record Jesus using this, this interesting word. It's not the word truth. Uh, it's, not, it's not translated the same way. It's the word amen. Anybody know what that sounds like? Amen. Amen. Amen, amen was this word that he would use often. Uh, and as, when they use it at the beginning of a statement, it basically meant, I tell you the truth. I, I'm telling you the truth. And then it would make the statement. If you go through Matthew, I'd encourage you to do this. Go home later and start going through Matthew. And look for that phrase. And you'll find it over and over and over again. I'll give you a start. Head start. Matthew five eighteen twenty six 26. Matthew 6, verse 2, verse 5, verse 13, verse 16. 8, verse 10. 10, verse 15. 23, 42. 11, verse 11. 13, verse 17. 16, verse 28. If you kept up, you are not human. Over and over and over, he says, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Why? Because it would be that we might believe it. And then people would respond at the end with the word, amen. Meaning, when at the end of a statement is, so let it be. I believe. I trust that truth. I have absolute trust and confidence in that. Amen. Man, we have to know the truth. Amen? amen. We have to know the truth. Amen? amen? Amen. Amen. Number one, we must know the truth. The second two are much quicker. We must speak the truth. We must speak the truth. Why do I spend so much time on know the truth? Because you can't speak what you don't know. And we're, we're foolish to try. How many people, how many Christians out there, when asked about Christ, are like, well, I think he like, uh, you know, I, mm, I'm not, I really don't know. You should call my pastor. How is it that men at work, believers, Jesus followers at work, when somebody talks about Christ, they're like, mm, I'm, a little, I'm a little nervous to talk about that. I would suggest it's because you actually don't know. And it's revealing in your heart in those moments that you don't know. And I wouldn't say, okay, well, now go to work and start talking about it. (laughs) Now get to know him and you can't help but talk about him. The truth is to get to know him for yourself. We must know the truth, but also we must speak the truth. Ephesians 4, verse 15, after Paul had said, We won't be tricked by lies so clever they sound like truth. He says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of the body, his church. And a few verses later, he tells the believer, So stop telling lies. Let's tell our neighbors the truth, for we're all parts of the same body. What's Paul talking about? You know, often we talk about, well, we speak the truth in love, and we think it's to the, to the outside world. Paul says that, that's not primary. Primary is that we would speak the truth to one another as believers, starting here. And he says we speak the truth in love. Those things go hand in hand. We find sometimes people will speak the truth, but they'll speak it in a completely unloving way. We also find people who speak lies in really loving ways. And both are wrong. Paul's saying let's build up the body with truth. What are those truths? What do we speak to one another? I would suggest we speak what he said to be truth. In John 17, verse 17, Jesus is praying. He says, he says, make them holy by your truth. Speaking of the Lord, he says, teach them your word, which is truth. Man, we need to know this and speak this to one another, that our, our words to one another would be rooted and grounded in his word, in truth. Not like, oh, I feel like this. I should be sharing this. No, nope. Brother, I see you going down a path that his word says you shouldn't be on. That's my. It's not because I hate you. It's because I love you. I care about where you're headed, and I know His word says this. And I pray that you would know His word says this. That's where that comes out of. That's where that comes out of. Paul in 2 Corinthians six verse seven, he says to the Corinthians, "We faithfully preach the truth to you. We faithfully spoke in the truth." In Ephesians, he tells the believers, "Put on the armor of God and start with the belt of truth." That we would speak His word. That we would speak Scripture. That we would speak correction to those inside but outside that we would speak the gospel. There's no need to go out to the outside world and say, "Hey, this is what the Bible says, you know, about your behavior." They cannot change their behavior and they shouldn't. They need to come to a savior because good behavior got nobody in. But he does. Now we would speak the gospel, the truth of the gospel in love because it's truth. Because it's truth. You know, I think sometimes in our world, as things get a little crazier, I think, I, for myself, I know that I wrestle with the fear of what their response will be. You know, if we say this and this, you know, half the church might leave. Well, we gain some space. <laughs> but non-joking, they'd be like, "Yeah, that wouldn't be great," you know. <sighs> And I know pastors all over the place are wrestling with it because I know pastors all over the place are saying, I, I, I can't speak the truth because I know what will happen. Not here. Not here. You know that we would speak the truth regardless of what the response is, simply because it's true. You know, you look at this statement where you're like, hey, this is the truth, and people will say, yeah, if that was true, everybody would be doing it. Yeah, well, that statement itself is not true because that means we have to wait for everybody to be doing it for it to be True. Not true. If you didn't get that, it's a thinker. (laughs) You know, we already learned that there's going to be people who suppress the truth. So we we should be ready and and understanding that as we speak truth, it, it will be suppressed by some for sure. And for some, they'll say, well, that truth, it sounds like hate. And I would just simply say this, that the truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. The truth sounds like hate. It isn't hate. It sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. That's not my own words, my own thoughts. Here, here's what Paul said to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 15. He described it a couple of times to them. He says this, as followers of Jesus Christ. He says, like, I'm, a, I'm his bondservant. I am aligned with Jesus Christ, and so are we. And he says this, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and those who are perishing. It's the same fragrance, but he says, to those who are perishing, we're a dreadful smell of death. But to those who are being saved, man, we're a life-giving perfume. He doesn't say, change the statement or change the way you live. He's like, man, the way we live is going to offend some people big time. They're going to think, you know, all the worse. But then to those who are realizing, oh, yeah, it's truth, it's like life-giving to them. And they will say, thank you for pointing me to the way, the truth, the life, that message The way, the truth, the life will be great news to some, to others. It will sound like, well, that's really kind of non-inclusive. Jesus is the only way. (laughs) You know, love is only his version of love. That sounds pretty hateful. It's kind of narrow-minded, don't you think? It's not my truth. It's truth. It's truth. Regardless of the response, we must speak the truth. 1 Corinthians 1.18. He said this. He wrote to the believers. He said, the message of the cross... The message that God would give his life for us. That sounds foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we are being saved. We know it's the power of God. And I would say that both sets of people sit in this room this morning. Some would say, man, God sent his son, paid paid my sin. I, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. And then there'll be others who are like, my God, thank you. Thank you for what you did for me. For without you, I would be lost. We must speak the truth because real lives depend on it. And finally, not only must we know the truth, we must speak the truth. Finally, we must live the truth. We've got to live the truth. Not just know it, not just speak it, but live it. You know, it's not, it's not enough that we believe something. Not anymore. It's something that we would apply our daily lives to, that we would live the way. When we talked about last week, Jesus is the way, that we would live the way. That we would live truth, that we would live the life that he's called us to. And here's why I would suggest that this morning. Because we live in a world dominated by lies. Everywhere. Everywhere. And it's no surprise the God of this world is not... The God of this world is described in scripture as being Satan. He's the God of this world. The God, the God of this age. And he's described by Jesus as the father of lies. He can't do anything but lie. The opposite of God in every single way. And those lies are Everywhere. But we must know the truth if we're going to be able to live not by lies. We must know the truth in order to live not by lies. Those words were penned by a man named Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Alexander, many of you are familiar with him, he wrote the Gulag Archipelago, telling the world the truth about communism. He's like, as he was escaping Russia, he was, he was actually being exiled. And he wrote an essay to his countrymen as he was being forced out uh, to go exiled to the West. He left them with this thought, live not by lies. I would say the same thing to us as our culture becomes more and more uh, against truth, more and more against Christ, more and more against his call to the way we would live. I would say the same thing. If culture lauds this is truth and you know it's a lie, live not by lies. If the pressure comes against the church or against you personally for standing for truth, live not by lies. When everything wants to say, no, the majority is going this way, it must be true that you would stand as the one and say, no, I refuse. I will not live by lies. If I know it not to be true, I will not take a step in that direction. That will require some inner fortitude. That will require people who know the truth. And you know why You'll have the freedom because you know it. Because you know the truth that sets you free. You're like, well, this wasn't a pleasant Father's Day message. <laughs> why couldn't you have just said, you know, like, hey, Dad, you're awesome. And if you're not, well, you have a Heavenly Father who is. And, you know, this is, let everybody go home. Oh, and have ice cream at the back after. <laughs> Some of you are listening again. Thank you. Can I just suggest that the, what we've just described are the men and women that we respect. Men who live by truth. Men who live with honor, with integrity, with respect. They're the dads, <laughs> They're the dads and men and mentors we want and need in our lives. Man, our world needs men and women who are just like, no, we're, we're going to stand for the truth. Why? Final thoughts. Because we all lived by lies at one point. That was our old life. Ephesians 4.20, Paul says it. That's not what you learned about Christ. When he talks about how we lived that way, he says, Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. That word deception is that same word lies. He says our old way of life, it was corrupt because of lies. Because we lived a lie from day one. Do you realize that every single sin that every person struggles with is based on a lie and always has been? It started with the garden. You can be your own God. You know what's good and best for you. You know, you can stop anytime you want. (laughs) To any of you who've bought into that lie, you can find the place and realize, no, I can't. It's called addiction. You can control the outcome or the consequence. No, you can't. No, you can't. And today, maybe that's the challenge to you. Maybe you've been sitting here and you are living a lie. Nobody knows that, but you are. And I would tell you at this point, it's not going to get better. Lies are usually used to cover up a sin or cover up another lie. Don't buy in to the lie. Come clean with him. Come clean with someone else. Begin to take steps and say, "I'm going to walk the way of truth. What does it show? It shows simply that, yes, I believe He's the way, the truth and the life, and yes, my subjective truth. I'm aligning myself with truth. I will live his way. I will walk his way. What is that? It's called a Jesus follower. It's called "Living the Truth." And I'll close with this thought. The truth, another objective truth, is this that we were all born in this thing called sin. You know, when I talk about sin, I'm not like pointing fingers. We were all there. We were all born into it. We were all broken by it. We were all burdened by it. We we're all dying in it. That's where we all were. You know, and people, when they came in contact with Jesus, he would reveal that in their lives. You look at the woman at the well. She came in and all of her innermost thoughts and desires are like, you know, put out before the, before the Lord. She's like, uh, he's like, go get your husband. Oh, I don't have a husband. Half truth. And he calls her on it. And when you sit here maybe this morning, you feel like, ooh, conviction, sweating. I'm like, uh, that's him. That's him. And I, man, I pray that you respond to him. It was the, the woman at the well, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, you and me. We were all in that place. And that doesn't sound like good news. It's like an ugly truth if there ever was one. And Paul would say, oh, wretched man, (laughs) who's going to save me from this? The good news is that there's another truth, greater. His name is Jesus. It's not a thought. It's not a belief system. It's not a religion. It's a person. The very person of Jesus. For God so loved this world that he sent his only son for you, for me, That whoever believes in him, it's Romans says that if you would believe that he is and you would diligently seek him, you believe that God raised him from the dead, you would be saved. That whoever believes and receives his forgiveness would be born again. That old man is dead, the new man lives. Man, that forgiveness is incredible. But truth must be believed and received in order for it to affect your life. So we, I may have to edit this from the video, but I'm going to share it with you. Because I spoke with somebody this week. And uh, uh, she told me as she was sitting here that her husband would sit here every once in a while. And as he would listen to these words, he would tell her after, he's like, he's, He's speaking straight to me. I don't know how, I don't know why, but I feel like he's speaking straight to me. She's telling me this as we're planning his funeral because he overdosed. God, did we not give him a chance to respond to truth? It's this morning in this room. I just pray for you. If you feel that, if you sense him speaking to you, not me, him, don't, don't be messed by my tears. I'm, I get like that sometimes. If, uh, if you sense him speaking to you today, please don't suppress the truth. Your very life depends on it. I'm not telling you to say a prayer. I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm telling you simply to respond to truth. To say, yes, I believe who he is, and I will live my life based on that. Today, tomorrow, the next day, I will live the way, the truth, the life, because it's what he called me to, and it's what he's bought for me. That's my prayer for you today. Let's pray, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that it remains true that nothing you say ever falls to the ground. It's true yesterday, it's true today, it will be true forever because you are. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. It speaks through your word and makes us alive to it. That we recognize, see ourselves like a mirror. But Lord, may we see that it's pointing us to you. That we would continue to look towards you over and over and over again pray for those here this morning who don't know you you know who they are i believe you're calling them drawing them to you it's why they're here this morning but i pray that they would truly give their lives to you as you've given your life for them father in heaven hallowed be your name lord may your kingdom come may your will be done on earth and in our lives as it is in heaven you give us this day our daily bread. We cherish it this morning. Lord, you forgave us our sins. As we forgive those who sin against us. Lord, yours is the kingdom. And yours is the power. And yours is the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. 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 Just one question today. What's he saying to you? Think about that this morning. We uh, have ice cream, I think, for everyone. Is that true? Yeah, thanks to Charlie and Sharon for always doing such a great job with that. So, yes. Uh, just a couple thoughts. Number one, if you've got kids in Kids Church, please go get them first. They would appreciate it because I'm sure they'd like some ice cream as well. Um, thank those kids ministry people. If you're going, say your number and your family name. And then second, if you're here this morning and you would like to pray, if something's spoken uh, this morning, so you want somebody to pray to you? I'd love to, or just even a chat. I'd love that. Uh, feel free to come up and chat with us. Um, and then, uh, man, have an awesome Father's Day. Go live it. Go live it with him this uh, today. Be blessed.